Ladies and gentlemen and everyone that's non-binary, welcome back to 5-Minute Conspiracies, the show where I aim to share with you a new conspiracy each week in 5 minutes or less. Now, I'm your host, Abby, just a regular, friendly, neighborhood conspiracy theorist, and I'm ready to tackle the big questions like, do aliens eat beef? Is Bigfoot kidnapping people? And are the reptilian elite taking over? Alright, so this week we're asking the question, what happened to Kyron Horman? Now, more about that in a second, but first I want to remind you, I am always looking for your conspiracy theories. Like, seriously, please send them to me. If you go to our podcast website, 5minuteconspiracies.com, you will find links to the podcast, Twitter, and our Facebook page, and our email address. So send me your theories. I've gotten some really great ones already, so thank you, everyone. Um, I also wanted to note that I just made a closed group so that you can join it on Facebook to discuss conspiracies with each other. So this is the five minute conspiracy Facebook group. It's a closed group. So then your family members can actually see what you post and they won't know how much of a nut we all really are. Um, all right. So, uh, go join that like our page. I also want to ask one huge favor of you guys. I like appreciate you all so much. And I was wondering if you could help me out by giving us, giving the podcast a review on whatever platform you listen to. Um, we're on quite a, quite a few different platforms now. So if you're listening to the podcast on a platform that you don't normally use, I can let you know where we are, where all we are located. <laughs> if I can get my words out, sorry, I've had kind of a, kind of a rough day. So, um, we're getting through this though. Um, so where can you find us? We're on the anchor app, P- Apple podcast, Google podcast, Spotify. We are on Spotify guys. <laughs> Yes. Breaker, CastBox, Google Play Music, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Podbean, and Radio Public at the moment. Um, Anchor is so awesome. They're always sending our podcast out to new places. So uh, stay tuned. I will always update you when we are featured on a new place. So wherever you listen to us, if you could give us a rating, leave a review. I mean, good or bad. If you hate our podcast, whatever, that's that's your choice. That's totally fine. Just, um, you know, give us a little shouts out. I... I would love to make this a big community of conspiracy theory people, fanatics, fans, whatever. Um, and maybe down the line, I've got a few t-shirt ideas, which would be super cool. So, uh, shout us out, share us with your friends who like conspiracy theories. Uh, let them know what we're all about. Let's make this like a super cool community. And again, as always, thank you so much for listening to our podcast. Um, all right. So let me move on to what we're actually going to talk about. So, uh, background to this, I really love true crime podcasts, and I have this strong desire actually to become a private investigator one day. Um, my favorite podcast right now is My Favorite Murder, and shouts out to Murderinos if any of you are out there. Um, you're amazing, <laughs> for sure. So, uh, side note, they're actually coming to Portland, and tickets sold out before I could snag one, so I'm kind of kicking myself hard. Um, but I have been listening to their podcast kind of religiously to catch up. And I wanted to share one thing they asked for is your hometown murder. So I wanted to share my favorite, it's not a murder, it's a disappearance case, um, slash conspiracy because it is unsolved. And I wanted to kind of mesh the two together this week. And that's kind of why my podcast is late because I wanted to really dig deep, find the facts and put this together really well. Um, now it's kind of the biggest missing persons case that I can really think of that's happened near me. Uh, eight years ago, we all wanted to know what happened to Kyron 
Kyron Harmel. And I'm probably saying his name wrong. I, I'm so sorry. Uh, P.S. This will probably be longer than five minutes. So heads up. I have been doing a lot of sleuthing. And an amazing spot for some of my info has come from the My Favorite Murder group. So thank you, Murderinos. I owe you big. Alright, so I'm doing the rest of this unscripted. <laughs> if you don't know, I write out a lot of my podcasts because I'm super ADD. But um, I kind of wanted to just like talk through this and kind of go through the theories and everything. But first, I kind of want to start with the timeline of events. So here in Portland, Oregon, a sweet little baby, baby angel-faced boy named Kyron Horman um, disappeared on June 4th, 2010, on a Friday. So, um, God, it was huge. I mean, the FBI got involved. There was a massive, like, hunt for this, for this poor boy. Um, so I want to start with kind of a timeline of facts. So this comes from the Oregon Live website, which is a pretty reputable website, I think, here in Oregon. I think they are connected to our newspaper here, the Oregonian. Um, so I, I don't have any question about these. So, all right, we'll start with June 4th at 8 a.m. The school opens. Um, there is a talent show that morning and an expo and Kyron was going to take part in the expo and the science fair that morning. Um, now his stepmom, Terry, and I will try to post pictures of all these people when I get a second on the website so you can see faces to match the names, but Terry Horman, who's married to his dad, uh, arrives shortly after the school opens with her son, Kyron, stepson, Kyron, uh, 8.15, the president of the school PTA, her name is Gina Zimmerman, she sees Kyron with his stepmother in front of his exhibit, so he is seen at the school. Uh, 8.45, the stepmom, Terry, leaves after watching Kyron walk towards his classroom, and she looked around the science fair. 9 a.m., Kyron is reportedly seen by a student near the south entrance of the school. So, according to the sheriff, who says that, he says that was the last time the boy was seen. Um, but then later, Multnomah County authorities backtrack on that statement. Uh, 10 a.m. classes begin. At some point, then after, Kyron's homeroom teacher, Christina Porter, reports him absent. Now, uh, his stepmom... Terry did post a picture of Kyron in front of his little diorama at the science fair um, from that morning onto her Facebook. So he definitely arrived at school. He was seen at school. Um, at 1.21 is when she posts pictures of Kyron at the science fair on her Facebook page. At 3.30 p.m., Terry Horman, the stepmom, goes to meet the school bus, and that's when she learns that Kyron has been absent all day. Um, her daughter, I think, I don't, I think it's her biological daughter. I could be wrong. Um, went with her to the bus or Kane Horman. Oh, maybe that's the dad. I don't know. I don't know who Kane Horman is. Um, went with her and the school bus driver says that Kyra never got on my bus. So that's officially when it said that they learned that he's missing. Um, at 3.46, the secretary there at the school placed a call 911 saying that he's went missing. And at 4.33 p.m., officers arrive from Portland. Police arrive at the school and at their home. Uh, 5.30, so this is all the same day. 5.30, they put out the alert of Kyron Horman did not arrive at home today. Uh, 
And it was broadcast to the phones of parents across the school district. Do, do, do. Do, do, do. And then they start search and rescue officially. Uh, they officially tell them of the need to begin a search and rescue for missing persons at 7. Uh, 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 they tell members of the media between 7 and 7.15... 7 and 7.45, Sheriff Dan Staten personally calls the FBI to tell them of the disappearance, and the first search teams arrive at the school at 8.09 p.m. So, that's a long time. <laughs> um, somewhere around 10 a.m. is when Christina Porter says that he's absent. They don't begin search and rescue until 8.09 p.m., um, and then they start sending out pictures of Chiron to local television stations and newspapers at 8.15 p.m. So then they start search and rescue that night. Um, at 10.40, they conclude the search of the school. Then they went through all the crawl spaces, classrooms, etc. Um, they sit, someone calls 911 around 10.44 p.m. and says, you might want to check the train tunnel. Sometimes kids play in there. And so that concludes Friday. Um, early in the morning, another search group is sent out at 5 a.m. Sheriff Office joins them, and there's about 60 to 70 people already involved in the search. So, yeah, there's a lot going on. Um, they create a tip line. They have news conferences, yada, yada, yada. Okay. They've done a grid search. They've created a Facebook group. There's still a Facebook group. Um, they put up flyers on Sunday. She's ordered, um, the stepmom says she's ordered a thousand flyers and they'll organize people to put them up. They announce they've brought in a profiler to create a profile of the boy. Um, and then they start interviewing students on Sunday around 10. That goes till 4 p.m. That is a long time. Okay, so, like, basically, the next couple of days are conferences and search and rescue, um, putting up, you know, talking to people, and it's crazy. So this, they create a reward fund. Um, they're still searching Wednesday. Now, here's where it gets weird. Early in the morning on Wednesday, June 9th, the stepmom... Terry makes her Facebook wall private. They're not speaking to the media. They don't want to create any ripples because they think that's the best chance of finding them. Um, Portland Mountain Rescue gets involved. Search and rescues keep looking. It's a lot. There's a lot going on here. Um, now they expand on Friday to search Savvy's Island. And on that, so that's Friday, June 11th. And that's the first time the family comes to a news conference. Um, Tony Young, Kyron's stepfather, you know, says that we love you. We need you home. It's very sweet. They're very grateful for everyone. Um, they're still searching through Sunday, June 13th. They have ended the search and now they're shifting it to a criminal investigation. So the search was over 10 days. It was the largest in state history with more than 1,300 people from Oregon, Washington, and Northern California looking for this poor boy. 
Um, they checked a two-mile radius around the school, parts of Savi Island, um, and that they're going to start reviewing traffic cams and things like that. And they start distributing t-shirts and things that have his missing picture on it. Um, so supposedly on Tuesday, June 15th, they re- the Multnomah County Sheriff's Office, that's the county of Portland, Portland, Oregon's in, they release a photo of a pair of glasses that are just like the type that Kyron was wearing when he was last seen. Um, which is crazy. And people, I mean, schools, school, yeah, I don't know. I'm sorry. (laughs) Give me one second. Okay. (laughs) This is a lot harder to talk about than I thought. All right. So jumping to June 28th, um, Kane, who is Kyron's dad, I I looked a little harder. Um, he has reportedly moved out of the home and taken their, uh, less than two-year-old daughter, I can't remember how many months, two-year-old daughter, I think it's between, it's his and stepmom Terry's daughter, biological daughter. So, um, at this point, the stepmom, because she was the last person to, you know, see him really, uh, she's been given two lie detector tests. Her car has been searched. She's been interrogated so many times, I'm sure. Um, and on the day that he moves out, she she tells reporters, oh, yeah, everything's fine, you know. But then uh, that night, <laughs> that night media outlets are actually told that Terry has been served a restraining order by the father and a petition for marriage dissolution. So apparently things weren't great. Um, that morning, actually, on June 28th, People Magazine came out with an article and in it, Terry's father says that he is about 50-50 on whether she'll be arrested or not. Um, so that's scary. And he's sad about it. Um, so then after that, it's just months of legal fighting between Terry and um, Kane over their daughter and custody and dissolving the marriage and things are dragging out. Um, there are dis- depositions of people who have seen Kyron that day, like the principal um, Terry's friends, I mean, everybody, (laughs) they have done, um, and on and off, they're having search parties still. They are asking for more money to do search parties and put up flyers. Um, but after, after a while, some of the billboards start coming down, there's delays on some hearings and, um, yeah, it's a lot. I mean, things are slowing down. There's still a lot of volunteers that are putting up memorials and they move his wall of hope. They call it to Beaverton. And, um, every year they celebrate his birthday and they do, they release balloons. Um, so on June 4th, the fall, uh, 2012, the national center for missing and exploited children release an age progression, digital photograph. And actually that, um, photograph still circulates fairly often today, um, of kind of what he would look like at age nine. And I will put it up. Uh, but anyway, the kind of theme throughout all these hearings and stuff is that Terry's really super sketchy. Um, 
and that she's coming up with mysterious money to pay her attorney and all these different weird things. Um, finally, Tuesday, June 3rd, 2014, Kane Horman, the father, is awarded custody of Kiara, their daughter, and Terry only gets strictly supervised visits under their plan. They deny, uh, the judge denies on August 4th Terry's request to change her name. She'd filed a petition to change her name completely to Claire Stella Sullivan. She wants to avoid the stigma of the Horman's last name, but he says that because there's an ongoing criminal investigation she doesn't get to. Um, all over, there's just a lot of, I don't know, it's just kind of crazy. Um, so there's some little things here and there throughout the years that, um, pop up now and again, but pretty much, uh, pretty much, you know, they just keep bringing up. I don't think it's technically a cold case now. I think it's still ongoing. Um, but every now and then the Multnomah County Sheriff's Office will publicize, you know, have you seen this boy? Do you have any information? Um, the reward money is still at $50,000 if there's any information that leads to his discovery. Um, so that's kind of what's the, that's kind of the facts. That's the timeline of what happened. Um, there's a lot of theories. I mean, I would say a good chunk of people think, yeah, it's, it's Terry, um, that Terry has something to do with it. And I can't remember what the tip off was about looking around, uh, the island. Um, I think one of her family members or friends or somebody lived out that way and she made a trip out there or something like that. I think that's why they ended up on Savi's Island. And, um, there is a timeline of Terry's whereabouts. I can't find it off the top of just searching for it real quick. I haven't found it yet, but basically people that don't think it's her have said that if you look at her timeline of what she did that day, there was, was really not enough time for her to essentially kidnap him, but she just acts really super sketchy. <laughs> and that's kind of, that's kind of what throws people off. Um, uh, there were some lawsuits thrown around, uh, Kyron's biological mother had a lawsuit against Terry, but then she eventually shuts it down because she didn't want to impede the investigation. Um, yeah, there's just a lot, <laughs> a lot to happen. And, uh, it's really sad because at the beginning, all of the parents, step parents were all united in this and slowly just becomes, it falls apart first Terry and Kane have issues. Then Kyron's biological mother is like, I want nothing to do with both of them because my ex-husband put my son's life in danger by marrying this woman. And, um, then she's lost. I mean, it's just, it's so sad. And, uh, this poor little boy. So it has been last month. It would have been eight years since he disappeared. So that means he's been missing longer than he was alive. It's just, it's kind of heartbreaking too. Um, I will put up, like I said before, I'll put up the pictures, the age progression, all that on, on the, uh, blog part of the five minute conspiracy website. Um, but let's talk about other theories that people have had.
Okay, so one of the things that stands out is that Terry agreed to take, they all took polygraph tests between June 4th and June 25th-ish. Um, I'm reading off Reddit here. Uh, Terry agreed to take three different polygraph tests, but she actually walked out on one of them. And Desiree, the mom, and Kane, the dad, biological parents, uh, they took them as well. And they said that they passed, but that Terry did not. And that eventually it was actually reported that she outright failed. So, uh, one thing to know though, is that, uh, polygraphs are really unreliable. They've been found that you can easily pass or fail a polygraph test without lying or by telling the truth either way. So they're not terribly reliable, but I, I feel like almost it's like a psychological thing. They're hoping that by telling someone, oh, you lied on that question, that they're going to just break out and tell you the truth. Um, they would just interrogate her for hours using these tests and they she wasn't scared or nervous about what she failing she was actually apparently mad that she would get really upset and that's why she wanted to take the polygraph test again to you know prove that she's not you know so if she was guilty someone wouldn't want to you know be put under the polygraph test again it's just really weird um she was saying she, you know, like, she's deaf in one ear. She wants to fully face the polygraph examiner, um, and they wouldn't let her. So she fell the second time, and then she wanted to go back for a third and didn't pass, pass with flying colors on that one. I don't know. So they would give her really vague questions like, was Kion with you in the truck? Well, technically, yeah, she dropped him off at school. But, you know, so they weren't, I don't know. So it seemed almost like they... I don't want to say setting her up for failure, but they definitely weren't giving her a very fair chance at it. And I think that's probably why she wanted to go multiple times. Now, here's another weird thing. Apparently, um, there's an allegation that Terry tried to hire her to get her gardener, her landscaper, um, to, to murder her husband. <laughs> That's what the landscaper said. Oh, yeah, she approached me and wanted me to to murder her husband. Um, so, allegedly, he had a meeting with Terry at a restaurant where she told him she wanted him to kill her husband because he was having an affair and that he abused her. And she was afraid that he would take her daughter away. This happened five to seven months before Chiron went missing. Um, and that his payment would be $10,000 the $10,000 that Kane always has on his body. So she, she wanted him to, she wanted it to look like a mugging by taking the money. And now what they wanted to point out is that Rudy Sanchez, the landscaper, he can't speak English fluently and that Terry Horman can't speak Spanish fluently. So there could have been some miscommunication. Uh, it's hard to say. <laughs> and it's also hard to say if that even happened. Um, so that's kind of weird. And then now here's the, here's why they picked Savi's Island to look around. Apparently, uh, there was a, it was cell phone records said that it's possible that Terry may have been on Savi's Island due to a ping off her cell phone. Um, now they never said that her phone pinged on Sivy's Island because there's no cell towers there. But, uh, 
So it's just weird. Um, there, there's a bridge. There's only one bridge to get onto Savi's Island, and it has a camera. And her, the camera did not pick up Kane's white Ford F two fifty crossing it on that day. So, so kind of it makes it seem like the searches on Savi's Island was really unnecessary, and they were kind of expensive. I mean, they're huge. But they definitely didn't see her car cross those lines. Um, so by late June and July, they figured that Terry couldn't have done this unless she had help. And that's when they started looking at her friends. Um, and that's why they started taking depositions from all her friends and searching around their houses as well. So because they thought, oh, she would hire someone to kill her husband... She would totally have one of her friends um, hide him under wherever. Um, they said that they thought they saw her near one of her friend's houses. So they did a big search there. Uh, I don't know. So they go into all her friends. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, she had some weird sexting things going on. Okay. So, okay, so here are possible motives. Why would she do this? Um, one, apparently Terry has a son named Jay. And Kane allegedly sent her son away to live, so Terry sent Kyron away, which apparently isn't true. He went to live with his grandparents. And, yeah. <laughs> so that wasn't it. Two, um, they think maybe Terry hated Chiron. Uh, and apparently there was an interview done with Kane about emails that Terry had sent where she allegedly talks about hurting Chiron and Kane says, yeah, I've seen them. So that's really terrifying. But Terry says, no, I haven't sent any emails. And then Yeah. So, I don't know. There's, there's no real big, like, there's no real big other people that have been suspected that I can really see. It's mostly focusing around her. And I don't know if that's because of that's what they put out in the media. Um, apparently Chiron liked to wander a little bit. I mean, he's a seven year old boy and you know, he could have gotten caught up with some awful person who kidnapped him for whatever reason. You know, and that's horrible and that's really sad, but it happens. And you don't really see much talk about, well, what if it was some person he didn't know, you know? So that's where I'm going to leave you guys on this case. Like I said, it's unsolved. I don't think it's technically a cold case at this point. It's still open um, on for his birthday. You know, for his disappearance, they usually release red balloons and stuff like that. This year they decided to keep it quiet and just say, you know drink some root beer in memory of him or eat some Oreos or release a balloon. Um, but they didn't do any big thing for his disappearance. Now my personal thoughts, I don't know if it was the, the stepmom. I think she was crazy. <laughs> and I think she was angry because everyone was pointing fingers at her, but that doesn't necessarily mean she did it. Uh, it is very suspicious. She did act very insane. And, uh, but you just, you can't really say for sure. Uh, I 
I don't think he's still alive. And I hate to say that because that makes me so incredibly sad, but I don't. Um, you know, I shared a picture on the Facebook, five minute conspiracy Facebook page that shows what he was wearing that day. So if hunters come across him in the woods, you know, but I really do hope there's resolution to this, whether he's alive or his past, the family does deserve to have a, you know, a memorial for him. If, and some closure, it's, it's super sad. <laughs> so, um, I know we're ending on kind of a low note and I apologize, but, uh, so this has been my true crime, my, my local true crime. Um, it happened in my city and, uh, and it's still a big deal and there's still a lot of talk around it. So, uh, take a look at the pictures on our website once I get them up <laughs> and, uh, thanks for hanging in there with me. I know this was super long, kind of depressing, but I, I appreciate all of you guys. And we'll go back to some other conspiracies next week. And like I always say, send me your conspiracies. Um, I'd love to put them all, you know, if they're super cool, I'll throw it into its own episode, but otherwise we'll do a big mailbag episode sometime soon. And I would love to share with all of you guys, all the things you guys have shared with me. So thank you so much for listening. This is Abby, human, not reptilian, and I will see you next week.